Our New Testament lesson for this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, verses 21 through 28. So listen for the word of the Lord. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, throwing him into convulsions and crying with a loud voice, came out of the man. They were all amazed. And they kept asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, Jesus' fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power. Come shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours. May the words in my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When the Hesburgh Library at Notre Dame was being built in 1964 in honor of the university president, Dr. Hesburgh had concerns that this new, tall, and important building on campus was going to look distinctively like a grain silo in the middle of Indiana to those driving by. As a solution, the architects proposed that the south wall of the library bear a mural. And so in an open bid by artists, Millard Sheets was granted the project and his installation, The Word of Life, that you saw at the beginning of worship, came to life. This giant 6,000-piece art installment made of stone gathered from quarries all over the world set out to depict a great processional a never-ending line of scholars, thinkers, and teachers, saints that represented the best that humanity has recorded, and which are found represented in a library. It suggested the idea that various periods have unfolded in the continuous process of one generation giving knowledge to the next. But Sheets explained, I put Christ at the top, to suggest that he is the great teacher. For Sheets, the greatness of Jesus' teaching is captured in both size and scale. Jesus is the largest and central figure in the mural on a massive wall, reaching out over all the other teachers, depicting his authority through his sheer wingspan. 
Jesus is the one with authority and greatness in so much as those things come in magnitude and scale. Authority in this depiction comes with a certain kind of power that rules over and above all the other teachings and teachers. And there is something right about what Sheets is trying to capture. Jesus is indeed a great teacher. Teachers, by their very call, carry with them the weight of responsibility to help their pupils grow and learn. They bear authority because they have the knowledge, credentials, and community endorsement to command respect and obedience in their locales of learning. A great teacher can compel you to want to know more, to write better, to dig deeper, to unearth new truths. We've all had those teachers in our lives. The ones who demand more from us than we ever thought possible. And yet, in doing work for them, we find joy. By granting those teachers authority, we place them, we place our trust in them to guide us well not just to a deeper bank of knowledge, but to embrace deeper truths. But there's also something unique about Jesus' role, not just as a great teacher, but as the great teacher. The people in the temple in this morning's passage in Mark were amazed, in fact, astounded, by this one who teaches with authority. While all rabbis bear some authority by virtue of their role, his authority is unique because it is divinely given. Jesus is the one who comes up out of the waters and hears God's voice declare, you are my son, the beloved in whom I am well pleased. Jesus is the one who has bested Satan's powers and temptations in the wilderness. Jesus is the one who the unclean spirits recognize as the Holy One of, it, of God. His authoritative teaching is reflective of God's promise in Deuteronomy to send a prophet like Moses, one who speaks the word of God to the people. Only Jesus can teach as Jesus teaches, because only he is Jesus. And his authority and greatness come from God alone. But this great teacher who teaches with authority finds his greatness not just in his call from God, but in the way he lives out that call, in the way he teaches. Jesus bears authority because he is the Holy One of God, but Jesus uses that authority not for himself, but for the sake of the kingdom of God. Mark tells us this morning that Jesus entered sacred space on a sacred day and began teaching, which is, after all, the role of a rabbi. But his teaching was different than that of the scribes. Perhaps those scribes and other teachers focused on items that often interest scholars and the educated people, the best translation of a text, or citations of other understandings from tradition. 
That's the nature of Midrash, the responsibility of the scribes, and it is faithful work. But Jesus steps out of those usual patterns in both his context and his cadence. It was not just what Jesus was teaching, but the way he was teaching that caused heads to turn in the temple. In the 80s classic film, Dead Poets Society, Mr. Keating, played by Robin Williams, arrives at an uptight boarding school to teach English. His methods and his approach to teaching were unconventional and disrupted all manner of school norms. In a classroom where they were used to opening their books to page 52 and reading aloud until their eyes glazed over, Mr. Keating was determined to inspire them through poetry. On one particular occasion when he felt his class hadn't engaged in the assignment to his liking, he climbed up on top of his desk and looked around the room. And Mr. Keating asked his class, why do I stand up here, anybody? And a sheepish student replied, to feel taller? No, says Mr. Keating, thank you for playing, Mr. Dalton. I stand upon my desk to remind myself that we must constantly look at things in a different way. He commanded respect, not simply because it had been given to him as a teacher, but because his method of teaching was one that inspired his students to engage, to follow, to unearth the genuine inside themselves. He embodied what he taught in the way he lived with them, seeing each of the young boys not just as his students in a classroom, but as individuals capable of living out their unique call. As you can imagine, a teacher like this didn't last long in a traditional discipline-driven prep school. That in the final scene, as he was dismissed from his classroom, his students, one by one, stood on top of their desks, quoting Walt Whitman's, O Captain, My Captain, as he saluted Mr. Keating. The way he taught was as one with authority. Like Mr. Keating, Jesus' authority is solidified not just in his role as a rabbi, but in the way he teaches. Like Mr. Keating found himself fired by the dean, Jesus did not follow the norms of the scribes. And where he was initially met with amazement and awe, he was later met with judgment and ridicule from institutional authorities, ones that would lead him to the cross. But those in the temple that day declared with awe a new teaching with authority. Certainly Jesus' words had power. But as powerful as his sermon must have been that day, as astonished as he left the crowds, he faced the reality that every preacher knows but doesn't like to admit, that words matter but actions matter more. No one remembered what Jesus said in the temple that day sufficiently enough to record it in Mark's gospel. 
But they remember instead what they decided to write down in the gospel is what he did. Jesus' authority as a teacher is validated through his actions. We get no lengthy sermon on the Mount in Mark's gospel. Instead, we get a series of these actions, healings, exorcisms, miracles, each of which reveal that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and each of which instruct us in the way that we are called to follow. Preacher Gary Charles writes, Jesus is not a visiting lecturer, someone you can go and listen to and decide later if you endorse his teaching. Jesus is one to follow. He is the one teacher whose life is stamped with the divine seal of God. And that truth, that authority, is confirmed not just through the words of his lips, but through the actions of his life. A new teaching with authority. If Jesus' authority comes from God but is revealed through his actions, then Jesus casting out the unclean spirit is not just a story we can dismiss as ancient and strange or psychologize away. Jesus sees a man held captive by another authority, one that diminishes the wholeness of the possessed man. Jesus sees evil for exactly what it is, confronts it, and sets the captive free. His way of teaching confronts evil head on for the sake of the wholeness of a beloved child of God. Karl Barth has said that what always takes place in these miracle stories is that through them a completely new and astonishing light is cast on the human situation. And we learn that God in Jesus Christ relates to those in need. They not only heard Jesus' words, they witnessed Jesus, the great teacher, instruct them by giving notice and care to one in need. A new teaching with authority. Those who followed Jesus from that point on, those called disciples, witnessed Jesus, the great teacher, through action with authority. And even when they did, they often were puzzled, resistant, even clueless, for how to live in response to this new teaching and in devotion to this new teacher. I feel that way sometimes. It's not an easy thing to follow Jesus. If we too are called to be Jesus' disciples, if we too witness Jesus, the great teacher, instruct us on how to live in the world, then his way of being commands our attention, our devotion, our obedience. And we must ask, how do we live as if Jesus is actually our great teacher and an authority in our lives. If Jesus' way of teaching affirms his authority, then to live as if he has authority, we must live like Jesus, modeling our lives after his life is how we demonstrate that he is our authoritative teacher. 
St. Francis of Assisi is famous for saying, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Our way, as much as our words, show that Jesus is our authority. In many ways, this is something that Morningside Presbyterian does fairly well. In fact, I think it's part of why this community has remained strong during this ongoing pandemic. As much as I strive to offer you a word of truth each week, as much as we pray for one another and the world in our worship, Jesus' authority in our lives isn't limited to one hour on YouTube. The gospel only has real power if it comes alive beyond this time together. And so we become people of the way when our actions show care for one another and strive to see the belovedness in one another in ways big and small. In the thousands of pounds of food brought to ICM in individual meals brought to fellow church members in need, even when the person insisted that they're fine. In reading buddies over Zoom with Dobbs students, in meal trains and cards of care and yard work with our friends at Memorial Drive. We participate in all of these actions, not just because they're nice or because they make us good people, but because living as if Jesus is an authority in our lives compels us to follow his teaching. And all of those things are good and important, but Jesus' greatness and authority as a teacher always draws us beyond our own community to see those on the margins and to confront the systemic evils that hold those individuals captive. This past Monday, Women's Roundtable had the opportunity to hear from Amy Ard, the Executive Director of Motherhood Beyond Bars. She is committed to working with incarcerated women who are pregnant to provide support for mothers, their babies, and their baby's caregivers. She laid out for us the injustices of the prison system and the treatment that these women endure during pregnancy and after delivery when they are separated from their children. At one point during her presentation, she paused and she said, these women are called a lot of things while they're in prison. Inmate, prisoner, screw up, a number, if they're lucky, they might get called by their last name, but what they are never called is a mother. Like Jesus, who silences the evil spirit that blocked everyone's ability to see the man in the temple that day, Amy's work begins with acknowledging the worth of the mothers she works with. And then her actions fight the evils that inhibit these mothers thriving. It's hard work. Those of us who listened on Monday were amazed, astonished, even a little sick to our stomachs. Her words were powerful, but it is her actions, the way she embodies what she believes that left an indelible mark. She lives as if Jesus' authority as the great teacher is real for her 
even if it comes at a cost. As we consider what it means to follow Jesus, to be people of the way, to give authority to Jesus in our lives, I wonder how we might be called not just to continue care for our own community, but to expand our witness to those people and places who are harder to see, but are struggling to be free. For Amy, for Mr. Keating, and most importantly for Jesus, that happened one person at a time. So let's begin. In the name of the great teacher and our authority, Jesus the Christ. Amen.